your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone. Wide open is Noah. Makes a catch. And it is a touchdown. Nebraska. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, we're back at Thursday night. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Thank you so much for spending some of your evening with us tonight. We have an entertaining three hours locked and loaded for you. Another practice report coming your way here in a few minutes. We're going to hear from running backs coach Ryan Held sporting some nice sideburns is coach Held. And the always entertaining quarterback coach Mario Verdusco also met with the media today. We'll play you some clips of that coming up here in a few minutes. It's Thursday. That means Teddy Greenstein will stop by from the Chicago Tribune. We will get to Teddy in hour number two. We'll go beyond the headlines, also in hour number two. Face-off returns tonight, and a new challenger for Austin Orman, Tim Curran, will get his crack at Austin. Austin swept out Josh 2-0. Last week's game was epic, though. Went to the final question and was really, really well played by the two, but Austin prevailed, so now he'll take on a new and worthy challenger in Tim Curran. This is really interesting. I, I feel like this tonight's going to be a pretty big reality check for a boy, um, TC Tim Curran, uh, who, who who doesn't hold back. He's not afraid to spit venom at us when we're on the hot seat. Um, unfortunately for Tim, for a couple of areas. Number one, we're in charge of making the questions, and number two, I'm in charge of the buzzer and how much time that I allow Tim to give the answers. So let's just say after this series with Austin, uh, things may go a little differently uh, when Tim's back in control. All right. Well, they're both anxiously looking forward to that at the top of hour number three. We'll also have our flex picks of the week as well. That's coming your way at the end of hour number three. Phone lines always open and available for you at 531-500-4686. That also doubles up as our U.S. Cellular text line. U.S. Cellular, the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker Nation. Lots of news going on in the NFL. We do have a game tonight, Tampa Bay at Chicago. In fact, we'll talk to Teddy a few mere minutes before that one kicks off in hour number two. But, boy, you've got a lot of drama with COVID-positive tests going on in New England. And also Tennessee, it keeps kind of bubbling up for the Titans. The latest is, is that the Patriots have had no more positives after Stephen Gilmore tested positive yesterday, they're to play the Broncos this week, and they've already been told to plan on that game moving to Monday. So the Broncos-Patriots game looks like it will shift to Monday. That'll be the second straight week the Patriots have had a game moved. And the Titans got better news today. Um, now they have decided to move their game, barring any more positive tests, to Tuesday night. So the Bills... And Titans will play on Tuesday now. That messes up, Ben, next Thursday's scheduled game between the Chiefs and the Bills. So the Chiefs have already been told, you will move to Sunday unless there's more positives with Tennessee and they can't play at all, then your game on Thursday with the Bills will stay. It is like a, it's like a moving carousel with what they're trying to do with the NFL with two franchises right now under the microscope in New England and Tennessee. 
Yeah, a bit of a disaster right now, I think, is is kind of where we're at with this. Um, I don't know that we entirely expected this to not affect the NFL at all, but yet here we are uh, week four with that, with that being the case. I think, uh, you know, trying to find these proper protocols and these channels of what happens when we have a test is the moving target. And, and I think the, the, the ultimate thing here that, that you, I think it was your point is the scheduling. There's just hardly any flexibility and we're starting to move things back and move things back and move things back. And I, I don't know that, you know, I'm curious what the players union thinks about this with, with players playing on short rest and teams having to turn it around rather quickly. It's not easy on the coaches. It's not easy on, um, you know, the travel secretaries. This is becoming kind of a nightmare. Um, as we expected that it would last week with the Titans game getting postponed it it seemed as though it was a pretty easy solution just flip-flopping one other game is all they had to do but now you know you're starting to to bleed into four five six teams in the NFL that are affected by this and that's just assuming no other bad news happens in regards to uh, the rest of the testing and the rest of the league so let's hope that this is the end of it at least for now and we can kind of get things back on track but yeah, this is this is something we were hoping to not see for a while in the NFL, and and here it is. And you know, you hope that these moving targets can be hit by the NFL. We get these games played. We'll have one again tonight. Tampa at Chicago kickoff at about seven fifteen tonight. We'll be monitoring that game as we make our way through. COVID is also still affecting the college game. KU's coach Les Miles tested positive today for COVID. The Jayhawks have a bye week this week so it doesn't affect that they're hoping that he will be able to coach when they play west virginia on the 17th so they're holding out that he'll be fine what is that nine days away from now uh we'll see also the baylor bears have shut down their facility right now after a couple of positive cases remember baylor had to back out of a game back in mid-september with houston and they did it at the 11th hour they called it like Friday night is when they pulled the plug on that game. Baylor has since played a couple of games. In fact, losing to West Virginia last weekend in a pretty good football game. But Baylor has had to stop and halt operations again for the second time now for Baylor. And, and we bring these up because I, I, I think we're going to deal with this in the Big Ten too, I, particularly with the protocols uh, that the Big Ten has put into place. I, I think this is going to be – an issue with the Big Ten when we get started here in a couple of weeks. That's why we're just keeping you posted on some of those things that are happening, not only in college football, but now it has trickled up into the NFL as well. Uh, let's get to some some college basketball. Tim had this in the ticker, another confirmed team, Ben, coming to Lincoln for that tournament on Thanksgiving week. The Oklahoma State Cowboys out of the Big 12 Conference now is committed to coming to this. We had a group of about six teams that were announced yesterday with another Power 5 team being LSU. Now you have another one in Oklahoma State. This is rounding in to be a pretty attractive group of teams that are planning on being in Lincoln here in about six weeks. Yeah, sure is. And, you know, I think everybody's first thought when it's Oklahoma State isn't that they're a former Big 12 opponent. It's that Lincoln's own Donovan Williams will be coming home to play potentially the Huskers. One time Nebraska commit. Uh, that was a, a big talking point with hoops fans around here for a long time was um, 
I don't want to say, you know, the, the new staff and, and how they approached his recruiting is probably the best way to put it. And, and him deciding to go elsewhere, thinking that he wasn't a priority. Um, read into that what you may. That, that, that could make for an interesting dynamic with, with Oklahoma State coming here, seeing Donovan Williams, a Lincoln product, playing his own gym against a team he was once committed to. So uh, a nice little interesting wrinkle that, that happened there. Sure could be. So the Cowboys join LSU, Northern Iowa, Nevada, Illinois State, and Cleveland State, along with the Cornhuskers. So they become the seventh known team to that. We've heard reports that the, this thing could grow to 16 teams, but it's at seven right now. And I still think they're getting it up against the clock where they've got to get this thing kind of buttoned up in the next five to seven days. But another domino fell today with the announcement, and it came from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was the one that put out the social media posts that they were coming to Lincoln for this tournament starting on the 25th of November. Interesting note when Oklahoma State put that out, Ben, they said we are planning on playing in this event, uh, the Golden Window event in Lincoln, Nebraska, provided that the Big Ten Conference allows basketball to take place. So <laughs> I don't know if that was an unintended shot at the Big Ten, or is there still does there still need to be some clarity from the league office that they're fine with college hoops moving forward? I, I don't I don't know which one it is. Well, one thing's for sure that the Big Ten has put themselves in a position to, you know, not exactly escape themselves from the joking <laughs> world. I think they're they're going to be an easy target, and and you know, yeah, I I don't know that they're ever going to get away, f- you know, from that reputation. But you know, it's kind of funny how these things kind of work out and how quickly your league develops a reputation around the world of college sports. I don't think people are going to be soon to forget. You know, the meltdown that this conference has had trying to get football back. No doubt. And, you know, we're hearing daily more restrictions being put on people that can be at the games. It came out yesterday at Wisconsin. They weren't going to even allow family and friends through the gates to watch their team play. At last check, I think Nebraska still is. But hang on. We'll see if that holds up because uh, this is literally changing by the minute about what they're going to be able to do so uh, we'll stay on top of it and continue to follow it meanwhile the huskers are practicing when we come back we'll hear from coaches held and verdusco as they met with the media today to talk about their respective rooms of the running back room and the quarterback room as we dive into another edition of our jtech practice report that's coming up next we're back Thursday night, Sports Highly here on the Oscar Sports Hour. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Thank you so much for being with us here tonight. Time for us to dive into another edition of our JTEC practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. All righty, let's jump into another edition of our practice report brought to you by our good friends at JTEC Construction. We had defense day uh, on Tuesday, which means offense day today, and that means uh, Ryan Held, Nebraska running backs coach and quarterbacks coach, 
uh, Mario Verduzco meeting with members of the media today. And obviously a lot of question marks around Nebraska's running backs and what the depth looks like right now, specifically behind senior Diedrich Mills. Here's what the running backs coach had to say. Well, the, the good thing this year compared to before is we, we actually have some depth and we have some, some good pieces to work with uh, from a numbers perspective. I mean, when you, when you talk about returning players, you know, Ramir Johnson uh, redshirted last year. We were able to save that. Uh, he's done a really good job uh, this fall camp. Uh, he's gotten bigger, probably put on 10 pounds or so. Um, you know, he's being more physical, uh, catching the ball better. His understanding of the offense is better. So he's definitely in the, in the mix. Uh, Ronald Tompkins, you know, we didn't know what, what that would look like, um, you know, uh, with, with his injury and everything. And he's come back and done really well up to this point. You know, we just got to be smart with him, uh, you know, from a rep standpoint to make sure that, that uh, uh, you know, we, we watch the pitch count, so to speak, with him. But he's a guy that uh, it's good to see him out there. He hasn't done anything in, in a couple years. And so he's been able to, when we've done some physical stuff, been able to get out there and take some hits, which is good. And you can see uh, some really good talent there uh, that we're excited about. Uh, and then uh, my freshman, you know, Marvin Scott and Savion Morrison. You know, Marvin has done uh, really, really well up to this point. Uh, he really runs hard. He, he's a, uh, a guy that, that's very physical. Uh, you can see in the different pictures probably out on there. Uh, he had tweeted out a picture yesterday. I mean, he looks like a senior in a freshman body right now because he's paid the price in the weight room and uh, really put himself in position physically. The biggest deal with him, I just have to keep, keep getting him going from a mental standpoint and footwork because we have a lot of footworks that our guys need to do from a running game perspective. Uh, and then Savion Morrison is very talented as well, uh, done a really good job. Um, you know, he's got a really, really uh, a bright future here. Uh, he's a guy that will definitely be uh, in the mix as well. He just needs, just like Marvin, he's a freshman, just got to keep learning everything. Uh, a guy that's caught my eye that's a walk-on kid that that has really flashed in the in the fall uh, has been Cooper Jewett. Uh, he's done a lot of really good things. Uh, he can run. He's got great feet, uh, can run routes. Uh, so he's done a really good job as, as a walk-on kid. Um, you know, he goes out there and has, has really produced as well. So, uh, and then we have Jacob Winemaster uh, as well as another walk-on that has done some really good things. Uh, I got a good group, uh, but like Coach Frost said, we got to figure out uh, how this is going to look. We got great competition. The beauty of it is we, we have some more time to keep going through practice. And uh, you better have a, a fully loaded room because you just don't know what's going to happen uh, with everything going on. It, it's the next man up. I mean, one minute you might have a, a full room. The next minute you might have two guys in the room. So uh, it's all hands on deck. Uh, you're never going to feel comfortable this year. Uh, you better have everybody ready. And that's that's been uh, uh, the process uh, uh, of my room is trying to get everybody ready. Uh, but we will definitely need to narrow it down here as we get closer to uh, Ohio State. Thoughts on the backfield, Greg, entering the camp. I feel like, you know, we've got one proven in Diedrich Mills. I think that's a given. A couple of wild cards and Ramir Johnson and and Ronald Tompkins and a couple of freshmen. So I think it's it's definitely a, a weird and intriguing mix. I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that nobody has clearly grabbed the number two role. I guess you can go either way. Um Ryan Held, I think, just by the tone of his comments there, would say that it's fine because he likes all those guys and that they're going to have to make some decisions. But to me, you'd like to have some clear-cut 
He's clearly R1. He's clearly R2. But I don't know that it's that clear yet to them. But he seems pretty encouraged. And he mentioned all those guys' names. So hopefully hopefully somebody in that probably all going to have to play as you make your way through this schedule without a bye week. Right. We talked a little bit about Dedrick Mills, him kind of being the bell cow was the word used today from, from Ryan Held. What improvements has he made in the offseason to get himself ready for this year? Well, he's definitely uh, gotten a lot better over the past year, and you could see how much progress he made at the end of the year. And it was just more reps he was getting, understanding the footwork and the offense where uh, the runs could hit. Um, you know, so he's done a really good job. He's been a leader in our room. Obviously, we're fairly young, uh, you know, experience-wise, so he's got to be the bell cow. Um, I expect a, a big senior year for him. Um, you know, he's going to have to carry a, a good amount of reps for us. Uh, so, uh, but he's, he's done really well up to this point. I know he's excited, uh, uh, to keep getting better and get ready for the first game. I'm really excited about Diedrich. I think he really turned a corner last year and in, in Nebraska's biggest games where they needed somebody to show up. There's a highlight we've been playing for weeks that he's been a man today in Lincoln. I believe that highlight was against Wisconsin. You know, there, there, there is some moments last year you can turn to go. This is a bona fide big 10 back. One of the things that made so much sense and I think it was Ryan Held made this comment late last season. He said, this is a totally different offense for Diedrich. He played in that Georgia Tech Veer offense. Then he went to junior college, and it was kind of the same thing. He's never really played in this spread where you you look diff- your eyes go to different places to attack a hole, and the pace of when you attack a hole is different than the Veer or those other things. So it took him a half a season to adjust to that. But once he did, and once he knew where he needed to look, where he needed to lean for a particular opening to go through, then he became a really effective back. I'm with you. I think he's going to have a really good year for this team. One of those wild cards that we mentioned uh, just a little bit ago, and we saw flashes of as a freshman, but the staff had to be careful with with the number of games that he played, and you really saw him in action quite a bit in that Maryland game was freshman Ramir Johnson from New Jersey. Coach Held talked a little bit about the young gun, now a redshirt freshman in the program. Well, I, I think uh, when you go through the process, he got to travel on the road. So he got to see what it's like to, to go on the road and, and, uh, and go through that process. Obviously, he was down with us getting reps uh, on the varsity throughout the year. So he was getting game plans, you know, each week, um, you know, and then, you know, he kind of had to be on call. It was, it, that, that's a very tough deal when, when, uh, you know, I'm like, well, you might play this week and you might not play this week. And it's kind of back and forth. And then we had injury here and well, be ready. And then, well, then it, you didn't play in the game. And so psychologically, that's not an easy thing, but when you're, when you're a competitor, you got to be ready to go. And uh, we were prepared to burn the red shirt if we had to. Uh, and he, knew that but we were able to salvage it which was nice but you know there was ups and downs of uh you know just being ready and not be you know not playing in the game and then he played one rep in the game and you know it just you know just one of those weird deals that as we got used to the how the red shirt thing worked and uh, my room was just kind of up and down at times with injuries and different things obviously and um but he did a really good job and what does he bring 
you know, skill set wise, well, I think he brings a, a nice speed factor to it. You know, he's a guy that can run and give us a a, a threat that that can be a, a big play capability. Um, but you know, he needs to continue to 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 keep working and grinding and figuring out where the cuts are going to be and his footwork and fighting through. And he's tired and you know, just like everybody else, um, because it was a u- unique year. We didn't have the luxury of of a normal summer and it was going to happen, not going to happen. And so you know, now these guys are now full go and and so they've uh, had to embrace uh, uh, you know the different challenges as we've gone through this uh, to get ready for our first game what'd you take away from what Ramir Johnson showed last year and and again true freshman year you're probably not quite as ready as you'd want to be but what, what do you remember about him I like his burst. Um, I don't know that he quite knew the playbook well enough, and that's why he probably didn't get more opportunities. And Ryan Held even alluded to it there, Ben, that one of his four games, he got one carry. And so that really wasn't the best use of him. But I think now with a full year under his belt, he's learned the system a lot better. I think instead of having to think, he can just put his athletic ability out there and go. And I, I think he'll definitely be in the mix of those guys that we've all kind of mentioned that are – in the running to be the backup, he's probably the quickest one of that group. Um, Tompkins is a bit more of a hammer. Scott's a hammer. Sevion would be more like Ramir. But, you know, I, I think Ramir has a role on this team. Hopefully he's learned it enough to earn some trust to get out there. You mentioned Ronald Tompkins, and I don't know a lot about him as a person just yet, but knowing his story, there probably isn't one on the team that I'm pulling for more to have a successful career or even just take a step backwards, a successful season than Ronald Tompkins. I mean, this is a young man that, I mean, you put us high school tape on, he could have gone anywhere, any place in the country had he been healthy. There was, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, all those SEC schools were all over him, but some of them backed off because of the injury issue. They weren't sure, you know, what he was be able to give them with, with the injury that he had. Um, you know, there, there was talk there for a while that this may turn – turn into a, a another Trey Bryant situation where he's just going to have to quit playing altogether. And for a young man to persevere as much as he has and put himself in a position to be able to take snaps on Saturdays is just amazing. So Coach Held shed a little light on the Georgia product today as well. Well, you know, Ronald, he's been through a lot now. And uh, there was a point where you never knew if he was going to be able to come back. And he's really persevered. He's really... Um, you know, fought through some adverse times, uh, you know, because he was as talented as anyone in America coming out of high school. And, and, you know, whether he would play or not, nobody knew. But, you know, he's really uh, relied on his his perseverance. And, uh, you know, he's had good days and bad days, just like anybody going through that process. But I've been very impressed with him. He's had a really good attitude, um, you know, and there's a motivational aspect of it uh, that, that uh, we have to do, you know, just to be – you know, talking on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, he's done a really good job mentally uh, because there's been times, obviously, he hasn't been able to do things physically. Uh, but he still can get the mental part of it and uh, and, and do that. Uh, but he's done really well. Um, you know, but it's a, it's a long season. Uh, we got Again, we got to be smart with his reps. But I do think that he's a guy that can help our football team. Um, but I'm pushing him just like I'm pushing all these other guys. And, and, and I'm not even – the age doesn't matter to me because the freshman guy's got to grow up quickly. That's just the way our room is and uh, you know you look at our room we just have some young guys uh, that need to be ready to rock and roll Uh, and so these practices have been physical um, and so that's been good for us uh, as we prepare for a physical football season uh, that we're going to have here down the road in the Big Ten. Greg I think 
if Ronald Tompkins is able to find some success on the field this year, particularly early in the season, and you know as well as I do, if, if you make one play in a game, the media wants to talk to you, um, and he gets out in front of the limelight a little bit, and people start to understand his story, this could be a big-time Husker fan favorite by the end of it just because of everything he's gone through already. Absolutely. I mean, Nebraska fans love that underdog story, and he has it now because of the trials that he's had to get himself through. So pulling hard for Ronald to, to have an impact for this team. 100%. Well, someone who will have an impact with this team and has already as a freshman was Wandale Robinson, and we saw him in the backfield a lot because of Nebraska's situation at running back a year ago with the Maurice Washington saga and uh, some injuries and beat-up points of Dedrick Mills. So Nebraska needing to play him at running back. Is he playing there at all right now? What's the plan for Wandale in the running back room? Here's the running backs coach, Ryan Held. No, he's going to be majority receiver. Uh, There'll be some different things we can do with him, but uh, he's he's our our slot receiver, and he's very dynamic, and he's really gotten better in the offseason. I don't plan on him being uh, in the backfield uh, very much. Um, You know, we can game plan some different – things here and there but uh his 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 game is going to be slot receiver and and uh, doing his thing uh from that end but uh obviously uh he's very talented it can do a lot of different things but uh we feel very good about what we have at the running back position to where he can really focus on helping us at at that uh a slot receiver and all the different things where that position uh brings offensively where you know there's a chance to make a lot of big plays on our offense if Nebraska's having to run Wandale out at running back, this offense isn't at full strength and things have gone wrong. That's the way to look at this situation, I think. Absolutely, because of the need at the wide receiver position. He's one of the things you feel good about that spot with a lot of question marks. And so if you have to bounce him back there, you've hurt that other position. So I totally agree. Better off if he stays out there in that slot receiver spot, play in and play out. All right, let's jump over to what quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco had to say today. And obviously, Adrian Martinez, Luke McCaffrey, those two spearheaded a lot of the conversation here today and dominated the questions by reporters. And let's start first with how much they're anticipating them playing in a two-quarterback system. Man, I, I hate that, that phrase, but uh, Coach Verdusco was asked about that today and you know, using them both. Oh, I don't. I don't know about that. That's going to be ultimately Frosty's decision, you know, um, as relate to how that all gets played out. But I think you'd love to have as many good quarterbacks in your room as possible that you feel good about, that you feel can go into a game if they have some game prep and um, win a game for you. Um, So, yeah, feel good about Adrian and Luke both. I don't know that that there's a controversy people want to throw that out there quarterback controversy but there's definitely a competition happening and they both talked about it today and I think they both it sounds like they're both loving it they're that that they're pushing each other and making each other better um knowing what I know about both kids I feel like this this isn't something you know they they show up to practice ready to beat the other one That, that that's at least to me what it's sounding like and I think you know there's only one, and that's such a maybe the most biggest cliche in football, right? Competition makes everybody better. But if you're lollygagging in practice, if you're one of those two guys, you're going to get put in your place pretty quickly. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, and you're right. We heard from both quarterbacks later 
and the day on the Zoom, and they both said the same thing. Love the competition. We're buddies. We help each other out. But I want to make a play when I get the snaps and the reps. And the other one says, I want to make a play when I get the reps. So that's good. I, I think Adrian still is the one. Luke's on his heels. And Adrian's got to be good or he's gonna he's not going to be on the field. And that's a good thing for Husker football. Luke McCaffrey, just a freshman last year, got action at receiver, got action at quarterback. Uh, Coach Verdusco talked a little bit about from what he saw last year, what were one or two things that he saw in Luke's game that really needed to be improved upon from last year to this year? Um, stroke, thrust on the ball. You know, he's worked hard on that in the offseason, and it's showing up with um, the way he's flinging it around right now. Um, some small issue feet things, but nothing major. He's cleaned those up. Uh, do we have more work to do? Absolutely. So there's still things we're going on. But I would, to answer your question, uh, it would probably be thrust on the ball, you know, just in terms of that effectiveness and efficiency with it. So with these two competing on the field, I mean, media is and, and everybody else are going to be talking about all the things that could potentially separate these two. And, and one of the biggest ones that you notice between Adrian and Luke is experience. Adrian's had basically two years as a starter. Luke's just played in a handful of games. How much does that experience factor uh, come into deciding, you know, who may get more reps? Oh, I don't think it's as probably big as maybe it would be if rep if Lucas had never got any got any reps. Number one, number two, uh, Lucas has got a boatload of reps with both the uh, twos and the ones during camp. So I wouldn't say that's a, a, a huge. A huge uh, factor to answer your question. One factor for both of these young men, and it is a factor, is a new offensive coordinator and new personality, new lingo, new way of doing things, new way of teaching. Uh, with Coach Lubick now involved, Coach Verdusco talked about having a, a new OC, if that affects any type of approach uh, philosophically or when it comes to practice or development. Yeah, it, it's more simple in a variety of ways in terms of uh, where you might start your progression and so on and so forth with regards to that. Um, so the other piece of the puzzle is Coach Lubes has done a great job figuring out uh, the, the base plays and even some of the third down uh, situation offense, pass offense stuff that we've been able to rehearse over and over and over and over. So at least uh, for us right now, in terms of what we've gone through, it's, it's been really good. How it's going to translate into competition, we're going to find out. But I feel real good about it right now. So the question was actually more geared towards simplifying the offense for quarterbacks. And, and I think that's important to distinguish here, um, you know, especially – you know, with the new offensive coordinator and, and certain downs and situations, you know, I think that that clip right there said said a lot. You know, it kind of it kind of peeked inside the curtain, um, if you will, of kind of offensive approach and team approach to certain situations. And this, I mean, if we're nitpicking here, this particular situation was third downs. I mean, he got into a little bit of of third downs and how they're repping it and just kind of team philosophy of of what this may look like and simplifying things for quarterbacks and um this is this is a 
a clip that you know somebody needs to kind of pin and clip and revisit this halfway through the season with coach Verdusco and see how this is going how this approach is working in a game because it sounds like right now they don't really know Ben we heard little snippets from even Bill Moose Scott Frost about why this change happened at offensive coordinator and there were like there were we heard terms like they were, we were having communication errors. We didn't have the right package of players on the field for certain down and distances that we, when we went back and evaluated, it was a mistake being made. And so the clip that you just played from Mario talked about maybe trying to simplify some of that and to eliminate some of those mistakes in just personnel groupings that maybe they had and it cost them picking up a first down or scoring in the red zone and having to settle for a field goal or whatever the case may be, making it third and short instead of second and long or third and long. So, yeah, you're right. I think there was a lot in that quote. You got to dig in there, but I think there was quite a bit kind of hidden message in that last clip. We'll wrap it up here with an eligibility um, question about some of the younger players, Logan Smothers, Matt Masker. No penalty for putting those guys into a game. What that may do for some flexibility and hoping get those guys some game experience. Here's a quarterback's coach. Well, first off, with regards to Logan, um, it, it's a great opportunity for him, you know, and he, he would love to play without losing any eligibility. So he's he's ready for that. Uh, with regards to his playbook test and all that craziness, he, he's, he, he's sharp as a tack. So he's ready to go in terms of that. So if we decide to put him in, in a game, Frosty wants to, Lubes wants to, uh, he knows what he's doing, you know. So that would be, that, that would be tremendous for him, you know. Uh, and then knowing that you're not going to lose any eligibility. With regards to Matty Masker, Masker's a, just a tough-ass Nebraska kid, got a great gun, uh, he's got pretty good wheels. So we, we feel confident with him that if he had to come in and, and do X, Y, Z, then that's exactly what he would do. There's your practice report brought to you by our good friends at JTech Construction. Football is back, and soon the cold weather will be too. If your windows aren't ready for winter, call JTech Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers, for a free estimate. So there's offense day-to-day with Ryan Held and quarterback's coach Mario Verdusco. All right now, though, let's head to Chicago. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Are you like kind of like us? Are you counting down the days to the start of this Big Ten season? Greg, I think I'm uh, counting them down in hours, minutes, seconds. Uh, <laughs> can't get here soon enough. I mean, it's so funny because, you know, when there was originally the talk of, wait, maybe the Big Ten might actually play, you know, I thought, wow, if they could be playing by January, how great would that be? You know, and then we all got kind of greedy, and I'm glad we did. And then, you know, at that point, October seemed inconceivable. And now that they've agreed on October, you're like, it's so hard to wait. You know, I mean, now that the SEC is playing and that the SEC games have been so successful and seemingly safe, um, it's just hard to still wait. Pat Fitzgerald did a, a Zoom call yesterday, and I think he said, okay, we're only like 18 days to our, you know, to our first game. And God, that seems like forever. But obviously these Saturdays are getting a lot better. Um, 
you know, I was watching a bunch of games last week, and, and there's some good ones on the docket this week. You didn't seem to be a fan of the Texas-Texas Christian game. I saw you <laughs> tweeting about that one. Were you watching the first quarter of that game? I, I well, the, well, it took three times to get the game underway, right? They kicked it off three yes. different times. I hope that's a record. <laughs> if it's not a record, <laughs> it should be a record. That you'd have, uh, you know, three chances at it. You'd have two offsides and uh, and a holder block in the back of the return team, and then just a complete train wreck. Um, you know, in that first quarter, I think the first quarter took about an hour and forty five minutes. It looks like it looked like neither team had practiced. Uh, but then a good rest of the game, and there were certainly a lot of people going in who thought TCU, especially TCU plus the points, was going to be the right pick. I fortunately was one of those who uh, believed in that pick. The hilarious thing is, not so hilarious for him, but I had a friend who was able to uh, use a betting site where you can basically pick the pick the betting line, and he had TCU minus three and a half. So minus three and a half is the favorite, but getting really good odds. And you probably saw the last play of that game where the TCU quarterback steps on the back line with one second left and there's a safety. And then he, uh, you know, he, he didn't win on that line. And also, I guess that that pushed the over. So that's why I tell my kids, man, betting 20 bucks is about uh, the way to do it. Because uh, if you're really throwing big money on these games, you will uh, you'll lose your hair. You uh, you loosely follow Notre Dame they've had some issues with COVID are they are they okay are they on track to play Saturday yeah Greg you know they had a big outbreak on that team it ended up being god I've written it enough times I should know I believe it was 35 it was I think 22 tested positive and about 13 in isolation because of contact tracing so as you know um, the Wake Forest game which is supposed to be their first road trip that one got postponed to December then they were fortunate that they had an off week and now they've got a Florida State team coming in and obviously this game looked great four weeks ago and Florida State is just a complete disaster I mean they're already on their third quarterback of the season and not because of injuries because of benchings so Florida State is it's just an awful team. Notre Dame looks great, well-rested. And Brian Kelly says the two-deep is is solid, you know, barely nicked up. So, man, uh, the Irish really, really should continue to just beat up on these teams and be undefeated heading into Clemson. Obviously, North Carolina would be a tough game. North Carolina's probably a legit top 15 or top 20 team. I was watching the Tar Heels uh, beat Boston College pretty tight on Saturday. But um, Notre Dame's solid, and, you know, Ian Book really hasn't even peaked. He has not done much yet this year, but um, it, it's a solid group and, and an easy ACC schedule, so not a lot of major challenges out there in the next month or so. Speaking of hard to watch, the Bears were rather hard to watch this past week. Uh, what's the mood of their fans as they get ready to kick off here in a few minutes with Tampa Bay? Yeah, Greg, I think a lot of fans were, were pleased. I mean, I know they were pleased. They were feeling like, okay, we're 3-0. and and we haven't really had our best quarterback on the field. Obviously, Nick Foles uh, bailed him out in that third game against Atlanta. So there was some confidence heading into the Indianapolis Colts game, but just a complete zero from the offense. And I, it's almost like a contagious thing in Chicago. I mean, the White Sox didn't score much in the postseason. The Cubs scored zero runs in their two home games. And now the Bears have one of the worst offenses in the NFL again. So... You know, maybe part of Mitch Trubisky enjoyed that game <laughs> so he could look at it and he could say, 
it's not all on me. We got other <laughs> problems on this team, but nobody else uh, in Chicago enjoyed it. That was um, a real sound whooping by the Colts. The Colts happen to have a great defense, as you saw, but uh, the Bears now playing against Tampa, playing against Tom Brady. Obviously, uh, Brady and the Bucks got off to a rough start in Week One, but now that team looks like it's humming. So uh, I'd expect nothing less than a lot of a lot of Bucks touchdowns tonight. The the playoff run for your Chicago teams didn't last very long in baseball. That was surprising yeah. to me. It was surprising. I thought the White Sox would advance. Um, Oakland, as you know, had a thing where I think they'd lost like. 11 straight clinching playoff games. There was some incredible number along those lines. I thought Dallas Keuchel would give them more in game two, and the Sox hitters were, you know, I thought they'd be young and free and loose and, and not feel the pressure, but that game three was a total train wreck. Uh, I, I think the White Sox used 23 different pitchers in that game. Uh, it was it was awful. It was kind of like TCU Texas. I mean, the first four innings of that game took at least an hour and a half. So Rick Renteria, you know, under some heat for, for, I guess, overdoing it with the pen. And then the Cubs, it's just one of the great mysteries, you know, uh, of the sports world. Like, it's the same group that won the World Series that used to score a lot of runs. And somehow, like, none of them can hit anymore. And Chris Bryant and Javi Baez, their numbers were atrocious. I mean, if they, if they weren't. You know, if they weren't didn't have those names on the back of their jersey, they wouldn't have even been playing. And Rizzo and Schwarber were not much better. So I, I, it's just hard to explain. I mean, you can only fire so many hitting coaches. With it's like the whole team just stopped hitting. They had I think two twenty at Wrigley Field this season. So I think if you're the Cubs right now, you don't know what to do. I mean, the good news for Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer are they're no untouchables. Nobody is going to complain if any of those guys are traded because what they're doing now simply is not working. The bad news is none of those guys have close to the trade value they had a year or two ago. So if you've been shopping Javi Baez last offseason, uh, it's very different from shopping him now considering he struck out 30 or 40 percent of the times he was up. Is, is it guaranteed that Theo's back or, or do you think he might jettison out of Chicago? You know, the sense is that they keep Theo. uh, I believe he makes $10 million, and he's got one year left on his deal. So the Cubs are, they're in financial peril right now. I mean, it's not like they're going to, you know, sell the team, but that's the team that relies more on the gate than I think any team in baseball. You know, when you're averaging 36, 37, 38,000 fans on nice days, and they're spending, it's probably the third highest ticket in MLB. Um, and they make so much money around the ballpark. You know, they get a piece of the rooftops. So when you don't have that, I, I think the Ricketts family had estimated that it was about 70% of revenues go out the door. So, you know, where's that money coming from now? The answer is, you know, he's a, he's a billionaire for a reason. He doesn't want to spend a ton of money if he's not going to get it, it not going to get it back. So... Cubs are an interesting case to see if they uh, shrink the payroll. And not to be depressing about it, but, Greg, I wonder if really, like all professional sports, if things are going to start to contract. Like, I've been talking to some analysts about this, and I think because of COVID, people are less likely to go to full stadiums. I think that'll be the case in 21, probably beyond. I think we're getting more comfortable, you know, watching games on our phenomenal TVs with our great stereo systems. And um, 
you know, also with, with, with the economy, you know, tanking, but then rebounding somewhat, obviously there's less discretionary income. So I think there's going to be just less revenue for professional sports, at least for a few years, which would mean, you know, emptier stadiums and smaller salaries. So that obviously bears a ton of watching. Absolutely. Well, hang in there. You only have a couple more dry weeks before Big Ten football comes back. I, I think you can make it from this point on. It'd be nice if they let us know the TV schedule. It'd be nice if they let us know who's playing on Friday the 23rd. I've been yeah. asking everybody for a long time. I thought it was going to be literally in a matter of days after they announced the restart, but leave it to the Big Ten to make everything uh, long and uh, contracted. But, uh, yes, it'll be here soon, but not soon enough. Very good. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Greg. You as well. Teddy's right. I mean, there, I think there's going to be a game on Friday the 23rd, which is two weeks from tomorrow, and we don't have any other game times that opening weekend except for Nebraska's and Ohio State's, which is an 11 o'clock central kick on the 24th. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And that's the way it is. Beyond the headlines. Well, it's Thursday night, so that means Austin and I have crafted seven of the most unique uh, stories out there in the sports landscape and not the sports landscape for you. Diving into topic numero uno, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the NFL is considering using winning percentage rather than the number of wins to determine who makes the playoffs this season, since not all teams may be able to get their 16-game schedule in, cough, Patriots. <laughs> so hypothetically, a team that goes 10-3 and could make postseason play over a team that finishes, say, 11-5. and uh, Do you guys think that this is a just move on part of the NFL, or is it a bad idea? Yeah, you, you don't have any choice, I don't think, this year, because it's just so fluid. We deal with this in Big Ten baseball, where not everybody gets their 24 league games in because of rainouts or whatever, and that's the only way you can do it. Major League Baseball kind of did it, didn't they? They didn't make the – was it the Tigers and the Cardinals play uh, a, a game on the, the day after the season because it didn't matter, didn't affect the standings at all? But I don't know any other way around it. I, I don't I don't love it, but I don't know any other way around it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely just in this case. Um, it's that way in, in every other sport, you know, it, or at least it is in baseball. I know the sample size is much smaller – in football with a you know a fraction of the amount of games but it's i think it's the only way to do it it's, is it ideal no you want to play all the games but yeah give me win percentage over over total wins because um you know i think it's it's more it's a more indicative stat of of, of relevance i suppose totally fair we'll go from nfl to college football specifically nebraska football so nine years ago today nebraska football earned its largest comeback win in program history defeating ohio state 34 to 27 after being down 27 to 6 in the third quarter simply what do you guys remember about that game levante strip <laughs> that's probably the biggest thing i remember i remember stanley jean baptiste getting a pick you know what two weeks after getting switched over from a wide receiver to, to defensive back and, and and Greg's call Burkhead slips a tackle I mean I think those are the first three things that, that come to mind to me 
Yeah, Rex Burkhead was terrific. So was Levante. Although, Ben, he left some tackles out there, apparently, after, <laughs> is what we were told after the game, that there were some plays that he didn't, he didn't get it done. Yeah. But it all flipped when Braxton Miller got hurt. And then the rains kind of it kept raining off and on in the second yeah. half of that game. Uh, wow, what, what, a, what a fun atmosphere it was at Memorial Stadium for that one. Do you guys remember no that uh, when Joe Bowserman got, got put in and, and there was this uh, chart someone whipped up um, for, I think it was passed around on Twitter or something, where they were showing his, his passing chart and they had, like, footballs going into the parking lot <laughs> and the stands and stuff. That was great. And also I remember that game as well because I was unfortunately – not by a TV. I was in a uh, marching band competition back in high school and I was following the game on ESPN and when Nebraska won, I was like, you know, holy crap, you guys, Nebraska just completed this comeback. This is amazing. I just shouted this out. Of course, we're in the middle of Orange City, Iowa, so we were met with resounding silence and someone told me to shut up. So, <laughs> and I was like, whatever, dude. I don't care. <laughs> that was good enough for me. Let me let me guess. You played the tuba. No, I was a sax man. Okay. Uh, tenor right. sax uh, and, and alto sax as well. Uh, uh, like all sophisticates, um, I played the saxophone. So, uh, okay. no, uh, that is what I played. Uh, moving on uh, to Ben's favorite golfer, Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, mm-hmm. He revealed yeah. at a charity event on Wednesday that a recent viewing of the Adam Sandler film Happy Gilmore has re-inspired him to improve the lengths of his drives. DeChambeau says he's going to whip out his longest driver allowable, 48 inches, in order to achieve this goal. I think the PGA, I thought they let you go up to 50, but it must be 48. Uh, so for you guys, is there a movie out there or maybe some other piece of media that, that just kind of inspires you guys like Happy Gilmore does for DeChambeau? <laughs> it's really too bad that's such... Hollywood geniusness uh, he enjoys. I, I mean, I, I expected him to be like a, I don't know, like a Titanic fan or something. Yeah, um, a man of fine taste. How can you not follow Bob Euchre in the major league movies? I mean, come on, we're baseball announcers. Right. Yeah, that's pretty great. It, it, it's it's rare that we go a three-game set without pulling one of his quotes out on the air. <laughs> DeChambeau had a good, good day today. He's got the first-round lead at the Shriners – Open out in Vegas on the course that Ben brought to its knees. So DeChambeau oh, yeah. off that U.S. Open wins, playing well again. Yeah. He's got the flat cap, too. Isn't there someone that wears a flat cap in Happy Gilmore as well, or am I making that up? I'm yeah, sure. wasn't his coach? Chubbs Peterson. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So his whole life is just... Ben, you and, you and Bryson DeChambeau, I bet you guys would get along like peas in a pod, and you just don't want to admit it. Tim, that's like that's like you and, uh, you know, Billy any, any mainstream Hollywood film. That, that, <laughs> Like oil and water. If it's not black and white and in Russian, I'm not watching it. He's that's out. The, that's it. <laughs> Tim was rejoicing once the Athletics lost today because we know Tim's a huge Astros fan. But uh, right. more importantly, because this meant Tim didn't have to watch Moneyball. He said he was going to watch it if, if the A's advanced, and they didn't. So yeah. another wasted opportunity. But that does come out on, on Netflix on Wednesday, so it's still there for him. We might sneak it in. It's in the queue. It is. It's on his list. All right. I'm not believing it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm out on that. There, there's a chance. It's, it's at least going to be out there. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But about an hour ago, for topic number four, Nebraska men's basketball head coach Fred Hoiberg took to Twitter to grade Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo's shooting form, seen in a video that Michigan State posted, asking how many free throws people thought Izzo would make out of 100 attempts. Hoiberg 
posited that Izzo would make only one of every four free throws and then even included a video of Hoiberg swishing a three-pointer at a recent Nebraska practice. So how many do you guys think Izzo could make? And if you had to choose a pair of Big Ten coaches to fill out your three-on-three team, who are you going for? Ooh, good one. Well, Jawan Howard, Fred Hoiberg are two of my guys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Those are the easy ones. Probably Collins as well. Give me the point guard. Give me the point guard. Give me the yeah. shooting guard. Give me the big. Yeah, Mark Turgeon was a point guard, too. Collins was a little bit better. Yeah, but Turgeon's got a few birthdays on him. Yes, yes. No so Patino that, that, is Patrick Beverly? No. Yeah, nope. no. I got, I'm with Ben. I go Collins, Howard, Hoiberg are my three for that. And how many do I think Izzo would make? Oh, I think he could make 60. I think he, he's oh, probably. no. <laughs> yes, come on. Free throws? Yeah, well, three pointers, free throws. I bet he one out of two. Points. I'm at fifty. One out of two. I saw the form. Not good. <laughs> one out of two. No, I was trying to make. Coach Weinberg said twenty four out of a hundred. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's what he thought. That's what he thought he would get. Well, yeah. he was looking for a rise, and he got it out of him. Now, I was making the case for Patino because everyone needs a wild card. I mean, he's a guy that you can imagine in a YMCA pickup game just yelling at people and and chucking uh, fastballs at people's heads. I, I'm always I'm always him. a fan of that. You can have what's him Archie Miller's playing experience? Uh, I bet he would be know? tough. I think he'd be a grinder. He'd be kind of you know. No, a, a grinder would be Fran McCaffrey. I mean, that, that <laughs> yeah. is no, yeah. that's that's the that's the Dennis Rodman of the Big or, Ten, right or there. Or the guy at Rutgers, Pike Pike, yeah, Pike. Yep, I could see it. So Archie was a point guard at NC State from '98 to '02. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah. See, I think he would give Collins for a run for his money. Yeah, he would. I mean, but Tim's it. taking Patino over all yeah. those guys. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> That's right. I'm a big believer. Uh, moving on to the next topic. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, a.k.a. the Greek freak, along with his brothers Kostas and Thanasis, I hope I pronounced that right, are featured in the new Madden NFL video game, Madden 21, uh, in that new yard feature I, or whatever. I think it's like street football type game. Um, uh, kind of with that in mind, which NBA players do you guys feel would be able to hack it in the NFL um, it, would you think Giannis would, would make a good NFL player? Or do you think I mean, EA is kind of reaching here with that feature? <laughs> no. No, he's got the length. I don't think he would. Throw, throw a fade, put him in not, on the end zone and throw a fade to him. That's about not it. Not enough meat on him. Um, oh, Giannis, are you kidding me? Go pull up a picture with him out of his shirt on. I, I'd take him <laughs> at tight end. It's already um, my, uh, my, my back screen on my... <laughs> Tim, you you inspired us to look at a mankini once. You're you're out. On, I did. You can't. You cannot give us crap. That for was that was work related. And this isn't. <laughs> um, LeBron, obviously, I know he's getting kind of up there in age. Zion, give me Zion. Yep. Yeah, Zion would be a really good defensive end or tight end. Yeah, absolutely. Both those guys over Giannis, for sure. Give me Nikola Jokic at quarterback. Russ is my short yardage back, and Derek Jones Jr. is a slot receiver. Like a seven-foot-tall quarterback? That'd be interesting. I'm down to see it. Give me, um, give me James Harden. I need, I need a 15-yard penalty on the other team. <laughs> Run him out there, flop on the ground, get me a foul, give me a first down, come on out. Ben, I think your guy would be a decent little dual-threat quarterback. Kemba? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's... He's scrappy. He's wiry. Yeah, I think he'd be a good little dual threat guy. Sure. All right, we're switching it up entirely here, switching complete gears for topic number six. So earlier today, a trailer dropped for the newest Mel Gibson movie. The title 
of this movie is Fat Man. And the premise of the movie <laughs> is that Mel Gibson, who plays Santa, thinks too many kids are making poor choices, and he's giving out more coal than presents. One kid takes this so personally, he uses his parents' connections to try and get someone to go up to the North Pole and kill Santa. So react to that premise and then Jeez. tell us what your stance is Jeez. on this trailer is something else. Here, like, I didn't think that's the way you're going on this. Well, that's this the thing, thing is you watch this trailer and like a minute, it's like 30 seconds in, you're, you're thinking, oh, this is some terrible generic, you know, straight to DVD, um, you know, standard film about a, a washed up hack kind of assassin guy. But then they're like halfway through, you're like, oh, no, this is about like a guy trying to murder Santa Claus and Mel Gibson's Santa. This is insane. <laughs> like, this this thing is coming like out. A movie concept after, I mean, it's not Christmas time now, but you're, you know, you're with your buddies around Christmas time and you're pouring cold beverages down your gullet all night and you're playing a game of cards against humanity. And, and this is a, a movie idea that gets thrown out. That's what this sounds like. This sounds like an absolute disaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. What, did we have a question we needed to answer with this, guys? Well, for, you reacted to the premise. What, what's your guys' stance on, you know, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, oh, okay. the Tooth Fairy gotcha, for your gotcha. kids? Well, my daughter is four months, so I, she hope, she's still, she's I hope she's still not uh, on the fence about it. She's jaded I, to the <laughs> premise of all. Um, I mean. Are you going to lead her to believe it's true or? Or are you I think. It? Look, here's going to be my approach. When, when, when I feel, and, and Greg, you might have, I might need to go to the veteran here. But when your when your children get old enough to to not believe in Santa or choose to start becoming a skeptic, like our buddy Tim Curran, I feel like at some point it's you believe in the idea of Santa and the spirit of it. It's not the actual physical being of Santa Claus. It's more of just the idea behind it. So that's. And in that respect, I'm still a Santa believer because I, I'm all about Christmas. I'm all about, you know, season's greetings. And clearly the, the, the skeptic Tim's laughing back there. But yeah, I'm like the so, Grinch in comparison. There's something romantic about it, about Santa and the magic of Christmas. No. Good for Ben. That's, that's the way to play it. I mean, you love the innocence of the, this, the, the whole premise. And as long as you can hang on to that, hang on to it. I mean, clearly, sure. Tim, clearly, clearly, Tim has let go of the rope, though. I mean, he is. <laughs> Tim's already on to New Year's. I'm out on Christmas spirit. Nope, I'm, I'm already, yeah, I've already moved on. I'm on to Cincinnati, as Bill Bell. Tim, how do you say. feel about people with their Christmas lights up in February? Well, here's the. I grew up in a very austere home. There were never any lights. I, whenever I'd say, "Hey, Dad, you want to put some Christmas lights? I'll help you out." He'd be like, "I'm not putting up some bleeping lights." <laughs> Would be the <laughs> basic response. So. No, we were, there was not a lot of Christmas spirit and joy at the current household. I would have never have guessed. <laughs> yeah, very, very shocking, you might know. Well, uh, that, that wraps us up here with our final topic. Uh, you guys probably saw this uh, flying around on the interwebs. As last night, a household insect became a viral Internet sensation when a fly landed on the head of Vice President Mike Pence during last night's Vice President's... I can't speak tonight. The VP debate, we'll just call it. Uh, the fly sat on the Veep's head for a remarkably long time. I think it was just over two minutes they clocked in at 2.03. Uh, and, and Pence didn't really appear to notice, um, but that kind of begs the question. If you guys were moderating the debate, um, well, there's, there's actually a lot of questions with, with that, but uh, would you guys have tried to point out that he had the fly on his head, or would you just kind of let him hang out there? Because that was kind of my my debate I was having in my head uh, while I was watching that last night. Would you, would you point out that fly stuck in the hair, or would you just kind of let it roll? I'm imagining I'm myself 
having to be in front of the entire American population, or at least most of it that's watching the debate, and I can't get myself to believe that I would say, Mr. Vice President, <laughs> you have a fly on your hair before we resume. I'm more concerned about, you know, the situation at hand and, and what everybody in America is going to be saying about the moderator following the debate. So, no, I wouldn't say anything. Yeah, I don't think I would have either. And, you know, if a fly lands on my head, I don't have any hair, so I would right. feel it you instantly. Feel it. When you have hair, off. it can get, you, you don't, it doesn't tingle as much as And when you got like the, you know, the, the, the hairspray, it kind of mm-hmm. hardens the hair. You don't feel that yeah, stuff. You don't. But if you're like me and have a condone, you feel it right away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, how would you, how would you handle that? Would you go for the straight swat or would you try and play it off like you didn't notice it? Or how would you handle the flower well, I would or do, swat? I, I would do the little, you know, like, you know, the, the, the women, like, flick the hair out of their face. <laughs> you know, that kind of head movement where you just kind of, like, throw your head at yeah, it a little start. bit. Yep. That'd be good stuff. Well, that was, that was it for our, nice. our Beyond the Headlines. Very good. And we're now inside of uh, 25 minutes for face-off. Looking forward to that coming up Woo-wee! on the other side of the, the show tonight. Tim, right, you ready? Phone- <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll call it that. I've been doing some push-ups. I've been, been just getting jacked back here, so we're good to go. Coming up this hour, final hour of the night, we're going to have our face-off between Tim Curran, Austin Orman. This will be a battle of the titans. Well, maybe that's overstating a little bit, but we'll have that for you coming up here in a couple of minutes. Later on in the hour, we'll have our Flix picks, and we'll also keep some phones open for you to join us with any comments or questions about the sports world later on in the hour. But to get the hour under the way, let's go with the face-off. It's time for face-off. Let's go. Mano a mano. You me. Right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait, well, wait, just, wait a just minute. Just felt like getting one out of the way. What? Just, just getting the button warmed up. Okay, that was you. I thought maybe that was put on those, those nope. guys back there. That's me. <laughs> and I got an itchy trigger finger tonight. <laughs> Does that trigger go, trigger at, finger go both ways or just one way? It, let's just say uh, there, there's only one. What, what is that? There's only one sight on <laughs> uh, on, a, on a bow or a gun or whatever, and, and it's honing in on on, on one contestant. Let tonight. the record show that the deck already appears stacked against me. So I just want that out out there for the record. Well, your answers will be the ultimate test for yeah, this Tim, thing here tonight. You, you can you can quiet us all down with a good performance tonight. Okay. Or you can pour gas on the fire. Really, the ball's in your court. Jacques Hughes, I'm already, I'm already skeptical of this being a fair proceeding, but continue. I will, I will continue. All right, to remind everybody how we play, it's Austin against Tim. Austin defeated Josh 2-0 to move on to face Tim, who for some how got a bye into this round of the, uh, of the tournament. So we'll ask a question. The first one to buzz in with the right answer then can choose to play or pass. And then there's a chance to steal at the end if somebody doesn't close out a category with three strikes. Do you both understand the rules of the game? Yes, Your Honor. <laughs> I'm good. I think it sounds, awesome. sounds what's your, fair. What's your confidence level going into this matchup compared to Josh? I'm just here to take care of business. I, you know, I, I'm not one to put bulletin board material out there. Typically, my, my gut tells me the harder challenge is out of the way, but Tim's Whoa! always good to to bring some knowledge out of left field, so I'm still expecting somewhat of a challenge. Bolton board material been posted. There is <laughs> no Cthulhu baseball on, on tonight's questions. No. That's good. 
Okay, here here we go. Question one. With the Huskers opening up the season in a few weeks against Ohio State and Wisconsin, both ranked opponents, name the last five ranked teams that the Big Red has beaten. Tim. Tim. All right, I buzzed in. Now I got to think. <laughs> okay. Five, four, well, three. Stop it. That's rude of you. <laughs> if you buzz down. in to start, you got to have one right away. All right, fine. Uh, give me, was Michigan ranked that one time when we beat them uh, a few years back? Let me go with Michigan Wolverines. We don't need years, do we, Greg? Just the opponents? No, just the opponent. Hey, hey. Michigan is correct. All they right. beat the Wolverines 23-9 to in 2012. That one time, right. that one time was in <laughs> so 2012. Another school in Michigan, uh, Michigan State was, oh, was do you ranked. Wanna, do you want to play or pass? I'm playing. Okay, Michigan, go ahead. Michigan State was ranked that time that Nebraska beat them a few years back. Is Michigan State on the board? You are correct. They were ranked 6th, 39-38 in 2015. That Michigan team was ranked 20th when the Huskers beat them 23-9. You have two of the five, Tim, and no go. strikes. Look at that. I'm just really rolling along here. Well, this is kind of where it starts to get hazy. <laughs> it shouldn't, but this is where it starts to get hazy because I'm trying to think of how many of these go back from the Big Ten era to the Big 12 era. Uh, let's see. If I – was there a time where Nebraska beat Penn State when they were – I don't know if they were ranked then because that was when Joe Paul was out. I'm just going to throw out Penn State. I think I'm wrong, but Penn State. Is it Penn State? 2011, Nebraska beat Penn State on the road, 17 to 14. That was the day after the Sandusky thing broke. Right. That was, that's that's yep. my vague recollection of that. Okay. All right. You got three of the five. Oof. Well, and we were talking too about the biggest comebacks, and I, I think when Ohio State was when we played them, that was uh, when it was Luke Fickle in the interim, and they had a bad year. So I don't, I, I want to say they were not ranked then. Is that um, an answer? But I'll – Sounded like it to uh, me. No, f- f- fine, Ohio State. I only have one strike, but – Yeah, but I figured. Okay. Uh, okay, shoot, this sucks. Okay, three to five. I got one strike. My other guess is – Man, I, now, I'm, now I'm concerned. I'm like, do I have to go back to the Big 12 era? I mean, this is rough. Uh, let's see. Is that seat warming up a little bit? Just a little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, was how about the Iowa Hawkeyes? Were they ranked like 24th or 25th and like back in like 2013 or something or 2014 the last time Nebraska beat them? How about Iowa? Oh, this is bad. All right, now you got to be careful. You got two strikes. There's two answers on the board. Austin over there jotting things down. One more miscue and he's going to get a chance. Okay, well, now I'm now I'm in really struggling right now. So if if I want to go back to the Big Twelve, I don't think we're going to go back that far. I, you guys didn't put a time limit on this, but uh, and I, I want to say that Nebraska beat more ranked opponents than that. But uh, shoot, I guess is Missouri on there? Mizzou? Is it the Missouri Tigers? Okay, that was terrible. Oh, Austin, a chance to steal two answers on the board. Oh, man. Okay. Um, Missouri was on my short list going back to that rainy day at Faroe Field. So that leads me to believe that it's more recent than that, given the parameters of the question. Oh, I've got a list of a few. I'm trying to think. 
Do not be checking the text line. I am not looking at the text line. It is closed. Can you remind me of Tim's guesses? Tim has guessed Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State. Those were the correct answers. Incorrect answers were Iowa, Ohio State, and Missouri. Okay. I'm only about 50% confident on this one. How about the Wisconsin Badgers? Is it Bucky Badger for the steal? Probably the other one, isn't it? The other answers, Oregon, when the Huskers beat him in Lincoln in 2016, and Georgia... When Nebraska beat them in the Gator Bowl oh, in yeah. 2013. Right. How did I forget Oregon? I guess it's hard with the – yeah, I shouldn't have forgot Oregon, but it's hard when, with bowl games because you're never really thinking about rankings during bowl games. So but oh well. Yep. All right, All Tim. Right. You're on the board. Hey, hey. I'll take okay, it. here we go. Question number two. Name the last four NBA MVPs to not play in the finals. Austin. Austin. Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Greek Freak. That is correct. He's he's the current one, yeah. I'm going to play it. You only got three to get. It's true. And one of those is James Harden. Is it the Beard? 2018. Fair. So a little clarification on the question, if I could. Is this to not play in the finals the year they won MVP? Yes, Okay. So the year they won MVP, they did not play in the finals. Austin's treating this like the spelling bee. Can I get well, the language of origin? Well, I just wanted to make sure because you put it Russell, in the Wilson, or Russell Westbrook, excuse Russell Westbrook has won an MVP. He has not played in the finals when he has won an MVP. So, Russ. Russell Westbrook. 2017. Pardon my Freudian slip on Russell Wilson, who has never received a single MVP vote. So, thanks for the, the patience. At least in that sport. Finger. Yes. One to go and no strikes. One to go and no strikes. So now, got to think through the NBA MVPs. Tim scratching his chin, trying to come <laughs> up with an answer to have. Um, how about Derek Rose? Is it Derek Rose? <laughs> Great guess. Yeah, but not correct answer. He didn't get to the finals, which is, I assume that means he's not the most recent. So between Derrick Rose and now, let's see. Between Derrick Rose and now. It'll come to you soon. It might. It might not. NBA MVPs. Might have to start a clock, man. Yeah, I got an internal clock going. We'll give you like another 10. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I'll say mm, LeBron. Throw it out there. LeBron. One year he didn't play in the finals was last year. He didn't get MVP. All right, so two strikes. Two strikes. One one answer to get. If you 
buzz out. Tim can steal and take the win. Give you 45 seconds. Okay, let's see. Tim, how you doing over there? Not good. Help. <laughs> I, I don't think this is right because I feel like the year he won it would have been the year his team made the finals. But I'm going to throw it out there anyways. Dirk Nowitzki. Is it Dirk? Mm, Tim, Doors real open. opportunity here to go two up. Oh, this is rough. Okay. Uh, so you said, it, did we have a time limit on this or just the four most recent? Four seconds. For the, the four um, most no, recent just, ones to just, not yeah, play. Just the four most recent. To not play in the finals. <sighs> okay. I think I know this is like 100% wrong, but I'm just going to throw a Kawhi Leonard. Is he? Is that him? Kawhi? Yep. Nope. Okay. Well, it's not Kawhi. That was a dumb guess, but I'd throw it out there. It was Kevin Durant. Oh, the Durant. Oh, yeah, I would have right. never yep. got that. Yep, wow. with the thunder. Yep. So Austin wins it. We're tied at one. All right. War of attrition. Let's go to question three. With Husker fall ball wrapping up in a few weeks, who were the top three hitters for Nebraska last year in batting average that had at least 25 at-bats? Oh, geez. Uh, Austin. Oh, who got that? Austin. All right, let Austin go. How about Joe Acker? Joe Acker. <laughs> yes, sir. Acker hit 306. Excellent. Okay. Um, Pass or play? I'll play it. You only need two more answers. I only do need two more answers. How about Spencer Schwellenbach? Show me Schwelly. <laughs> Unlucky hitter all last year. Right. Remember, he Not- hit the crap out of the ball. You know, and I'll, I'm going to explain why I only said three. These are the only three guys that hit over 300 in the 15 games that they played last year. Okay. Aaron Polensky. How about Polensky? Yes. Hit 302. 302. Yeah. Okay. Two down and one strike. Let's see. How about Leighton Banjoff? How about the freshman from Ohio for the category? Well done. Uh, he hit buzzed in earlier. He hit 341. I didn't think you guys would get Acker. That's the one I thought would stump you. I knew you'd get all get Polinsky, but and Banjoff wasn't an easy one. So Austin takes a 2-1 lead, Ben. He does. Sad. Okay. This 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 could arguably one of, be one of the tougher questions we've had on this show. So just buckle in. Name the last five quarterbacks to win the Red River Rivalry. Tim. Tim. Last five. Uh, so Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Last year, Oklahoma. Okay. Pass or play? I will play last five. Um, so I remember uh, kicker the kicker. So would uh, – what's his face? Shane uh, Bouchelle or how do you pronounce this guy's last name? Shane yeah, Bouchelle. You got, it. Yeah. you got it. That's it. The current quarterback for SMU. But, he was but he out was of the a, program. But he was at Texas. So Dang I was, it. 
He was there. That's where he yeah. started his career. Well, shoot, one strike. Okay, that was a dumb one. Uh, will we be going all the way back to the Bradford era with this? I doubt it. But I maybe. mean, potentially. All right, maybe. Sam Bradford, then fine. Sam Bradford. Not that far back. All right, that's, I've already, I'm already on the ropes. <laughs> I got two guesses. And let let me here. repeat the question for you. Name the last five quarterbacks to win the Red River rivalry. So you're only going back five years. Yeah, I went back, yeah that's really, that was a real rough guess from my part. But I wanted to mention former St. Louis Rams legend Sam Bradford. So, oh, boy. Austin's waiting over there to pounce. You got to be careful here, Tim. Well, I know, but I'm, I'm – I know I'm, there's already like 15,000 guys that are, that are bouncing around my head right now, and I'm, they're like super obvious. And I'm, my mind is just blanked out right now. This is bad. Yeah, it's hard it's on the spot. Happens. It's what happens. what happens. It's bad when you're in Got to put seat. your money where your mouth is. When you're in the hot seat, you know. <laughs> it just happens. It's uh, a real thing. Well, it was – who was before Hurts? It was uh, – how am I forgetting already? Uh, know, Baker Mayfield. Baker, Baker, touchdown Baker. How about – Baker Mayfield. Yes. He actually won two games in 2017 and 2016, although he's only one quarterback, so he only counts as one answer. Uh, so we're okay. still looking for three more. So I got basically the two most obvious ones. <laughs> Long road to climb. So I got Baker, and it wasn't Shane. Okay, shoot. Um, well, for Texas, because Texas has had kind of a more of a revolving door a QB lately. They've had a lot of guys, whereas OU's been a little bit more consistent since Riley. Um, man, oh man. All right, well, I, I don't even know anymore. I, I either just buzz me or I'll just say Colt McCoy, which is not within the time frame you guys Colt are Colt McCoy. <laughs> nope, that was rough. K1, Kyler Murray. Oh my, yeah, what? Ah. Kyler Murray. So mad. For the steal. No. What? He what? lost to Sam Ellinger oh, in 2018. No. 2018, Sam Ellinger. That was oh, the was Texas so team. That. That That's right. Same even mentioned the game, the Dicker the Kicker game, where Texas beat him. Wrong so, guess. <laughs> Shoot. No Kyler so Murray. Okay. Oh, service me right. So Sam Ellinger obviously was was the other big answer. That Those were the last three. The, the and I don't know if you guys remember Trevor Knight, big quarterback no. for, for Oklahoma in the year after that Alabama. in 2015. That was the one that you guys wouldn't have gotten. That was Gerard Hurd. Um, no, yeah. no, so, no chance well, hey, there. Gosh darn it. High game. I blew it. I expected two, two. you at least to, guys to get at least three out of that. But yeah, I, as Sam Ellinger, I dropped the ball. That's on me. Ellinger is on my list. I forgot that he beat Kyler. All right. 2-2 two, two tie. Question five. Here we go. The NFL season has hit the 25% mark, so can you name the top four rushers through the first four weeks? Austin. Go ahead, Austin. Austin. Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. No. Not Tim. rushing. Tim, you don't need to buzz in. You automatically get okay. a try. Go ahead. Um, let's go with uh, um, Jones from Green Bay. Aaron Jones. Yes. Okay. There's Second some, place, 374 yards. So three, three more. You said three more. Tim, you're playing. You have to play this. Okay. One. Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing. Um. What about? 
He got... What, well, I'm trying to think of when he got picked up is the thing. Um, let's see. Who are the best running backs? Because I'll be going off kind of fantasy. Ezekiel uh, Elliott, is he uh, on there? Show me Zeke. Mm. He's been terrible this year as a fantasy owner of Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> He's been okay. Okay, so no Zeke. Um, first strike. All right. Well, let's see. What other running backs have been killing it here? Let's see. Tim is staring intently at a computer, which makes me a little... No, yeah. Go yeah, peek at the screen. I'm not. I've got... No, there's Twitter up. There's nothing... I can't see that from my angle. Jeez, right, He's trying to throw me under the bus already. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm thinking of all the teams. Um, it's not Chris Carson, because he catches a lot of passes, but not... Um, it's not Kenyon Drake. It's not... Uh, Trying to, this is just agony because I feel like I'm missing so many obvious. Um, Eric Dickerson. <laughs> yeah, not it's, eligible. it's not him. Edger and James. <laughs> oh, from uh, Oakland. What is his name? Uh, Jacobs. Josh Jacobs from Vegas, not Oakland. Yeah, of course. Oh. Shoot. Oh, okay, I'm already down to two. Dangerous territory. This is bad. Two strikes. I really just three names on the board. This is actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. Wow. Austin is spinning because he thought he had the right He's one. And salivating. It's not on there. Yeah. <laughs> Austin's salivating right now. Well, what about um, we go to. Oh. Oh, I don't know. Uh. Uh. <laughs> this is so difficult. One of these is not surprising that you absolutely should get. Two of them, due to different circumstances, may surprise you in one way or another. That's your clue. What? That's now just making me feel worse because I feel like I, <laughs> I know I'm missing an obvious person. That's why I'm trying to like go more obscure here. Um, this is bad, guys. Ben, I'm enjoying this. I don't know yeah, about so you. Am I. I hate this so much. Tim, I'll give you like another 20 seconds. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Leonard Fournette, whatever. Leonard Fournette. Yeah, oh, absolutely awesome. not. Awesome with a chance to steal. I better not blow this one. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Um, keep it simple, stupid. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook for the steal. Yes. There we go. Number he one. Leads, he there leads the league. There we go. All right. The other two, Nick Chubb, slightly yep. surprising yep, because yeah. he was injured last week in the first quarter. And the other, Derek Henry, slightly mm, surprising yeah. because he had a game banged due to COVID. So right. yeah, right. He's I, done I, it in three games. He has 318 The, the names yards. aren't surprising, but how they got there, per, perhaps surprising to some. So Austin right, up 3-2. On. Question number six. Could be it. Name, name the four top four home run hitting teams in the Major League playoffs. Austin. Austin. The Houston Astros. Houston Astros. Yes. This is updated for today. Like the game's going on like this right is, now. This is updated as of 6 p.m. So as of 6 p.m. Okay. A couple of these teams um, have added to their totals, but these four were significantly higher than everybody else. So the totals may be different, but the teams would remain the same. Okay. Um, I'll play it. The New York Yankees. The Bronx Bombers. Yes, they had 14 plus the – I think they've hit Boy, two. Yeah, they've had two. Or they've they've hit, hit one. one. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, they've added to their 14 total. Okay, how about – Two to go. The uh, – mm, 
I know I have some strikes to work with, but I don't want to leave all that many options for Tim. How about the Atlanta Braves? How about Hotlanta? Nope. Just off the list, they were number five. Okay. Um, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, sir. They were the fourth place team coming into tonight with 12. So you're missing the number one team. Oh, okay. Um, number one team. Let's see here. Cross some teams off real quick. I only have that one strike, correct? You have one strike, Atlanta. How about... Let's go with the Dodgers. How about the Los Angeles Dodgers? Nope. Not the Dodgers. Okay, then... Let's see. Who is left standing? Well, I have two options left. <laughs> so if I don't get this right, it's a steal for Tim, I'm pretty sure. One would think. I'll go with Oakland. Is it the Oakland Athletics? It is. Austin oh. completed the category. They were number one with 15 coming into tonight. Well, well. Not pretty. That's a win. Well, it is. Ben, I hope so, you have uh, Greg's last question because I think he just lost connection here. So <laughs> he, That's it. It's over. Oh, shoot. That's, that's four oh, there we go. to two. That is four to two. We will not get to question number seven, which I think you boys uh, will be just fine with. So congratulations to Austin. Tim, you're on the board. How'd you feel, man? Give us give us a post game post game report. Look, I I, I, I took some licks. Uh, I, I got some some shots in uh, for myself. Landed some body shots. Did not land on the knockout blow, but uh, that's on me. I had, think I had an opportunity. Really, with that baseball one, if I had just buzzed in like a half second earlier. We're, we're talking about a different story here, but are you are you perhaps more lenient on, on the buzzer and of the contestants now that you've gone through it? Somewhat, I think Austin was taking some generous time, but um, it is it is what it is. I was All being right. deliberate, not slow. That's my argument. Okay, well, Austin, congratulations! You proved to a perfect three and zero in our face-off segment, and uh, yeah, we will move forward with round number two at some point. We're going to take a break with this for a while, but we will see. When we continue with our face-off, congratulations to Austin for his victory tonight. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, let's take a spin around the room and see what's been on everybody's screens for the last week. Ben? Yeah, so Josh actually hinted at this, and this was his um, his last uh, pick flicks segment, and I, I, I said I wanted to, to go through and, and watch it, and I did, and we went and crushed it. The Challenger... Uh, Final Flight documentary, man, is it just so good. It is so good. Uh, totally worth the watch. If you're into history, if you're into space, I mean, it's the perfect it's the perfect one for you. So I think it's four episodes long. They're usually about an hour. Yeah, and, and we got through them all, and it's just unbelievable how, what all went into that. 
Should have, you should have pulled a trainer for us to listen to, Ben. Well, we heard a trailer last week, so we didn't. Oh, did, to... did Josh put it up there? Okay. I think I so, know, yeah. I don't know if he did. All right, Tim. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen anything in a while. I've been slacking, uh, but it's Spooktober, so I've got a couple horror movies uh, from recent years that are available on everyone's beloved streaming platform, Netflix, uh, for you guys to enjoy. Uh, one of them, Hush, came out in 2016, directed by Mike Flanagan. It's uh, about a deaf woman who is is facing a, a home invader situation. I, and sometimes I feel like horror movies that, that don't have that supernatural element are, are sometimes more effective because you can picture it happening to you. You're in kind of a, a home that's off the beaten path and there's someone trying to get in. Um, and it, it, you, and the, the movie's really interesting because it kind of uses that, that clever conceit of, of silence and, and kind of that sensory deprivation because the, 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 the protagonist is deaf and it's got that kind of unique angle to it. Uh, the second one that's on Netflix, I think people might uh, enjoy checking out if they have a little bit of a, a, a different taste, as I've been known to have <laughs> in movies. Um, it Comes at Night, which came out a few years ago back in 2017. Uh, it, it's a little less traditional. It's it's not so much a horror movie as more of a psychological thriller. It plays on kind of that that suspe- you know the suspicion and intention. Um, and so that, that, that's something that I think people will enjoy. It is a little bit uh, more art housey, so some that, that might be off-putting to some people, but, but definitely check out Hush, and it comes at night uh, if you are a horror fan. It is Spooktober, after all. Perfect time of year for that. Okay, Austin? I'm not going the, the spooky route, but I haven't, I've, full disclosure, I haven't seen this. It's on the docket for this weekend, though. It's another addition to the, the Sherlock Holmes tree of film so we have robert downey jr sherlock benedict cumberbatches but now we get a movie called enola holmes starring millie bobby brown she was first discovered with with stranger things she's one of the leads in that series and here's a trailer from the movie now where to begin my mother named me enola which backwards spells alone and yet we were always together and it was wonderful she was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing, and she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes, the famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all... So... Mrs. Holmes, Sherlock's mom, goes missing. Sherlock has a teen sister, Enola. She goes to London to look for him. So Millie Bobby Brown is Enola. Sherlock is played by Henry Cavill. He's been Superman. He's been in Mission Impossible, Fallout. And then Sam Claflin is Mycroft, the other brother. So it looks pretty good. I'm going to check that out this weekend. Who was everybody's favorite Sherlock? Tim, you got a favorite Sherlock Holmes? (laughs) An actor? Was Robert Downey, did you enjoy Robert Downey or not when he played that? Man, he was a K in that. Give me Benedict ben, Cumberbatch all day. Did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was pretty solid. All right, uh, for me, I finished season four of Schitt's Creek. Two to go. Season four was a really good finale. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to get into season five this week. And I know I'm going to get booed for this, but I did finish Space Force. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> yes, indeed. Yay! Boo, boos all around. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was not good. All right, hey, our Sports Family Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. I'm out of here tomorrow, but leaving you in the capable hands of Ben. Thanks to Ben, Tim, and Austin, and all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Have a great weekend. I'll be back with you on Monday. Good night.